Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse. Dempsey, what else does Marion Barry have? An assortment of jams, jellies, and marmalades. Mmm. Some with a poisonous texture. Let's split up, then. Diana, you should talk to Principal Purvis. Coach, why don't you and I talk to the custodian about investigating Rob Kestrel's social studies room? This town has founded itself on the esteemed and utmost integrity of our beloved Firebird, which Rob has done a great service for for the last ten years. It did mean, however, that others in the department were passed over, and from what I understand, that has caused a bit of contention uh, between Rob uh, and between one of our other social studies teachers, uh, Miss Raymond, and she crashes through a puddle and you become absolutely soaked standing next to her car. You have the condition, Diana is all wet. What a bitch. The symbol of the Firebird, it has been drawn here in ashes. I think stooping through a classroom late at night isn't really befitting women of your stature. So you've lost your chance at talking your way in. Uh, Do you listen to his advice, or do you try to pry deeper into the mystery of the school yourselves? Diana were to walk around and be knocking on, like, a classroom window or something. Uh, Di- Diana, you, you're out here in the rain. Given our history with a particular caller, you recall that, don't you? And the whip, that we could make it a little bit further than first base of the building, perhaps. You're trying to reheat an old flame here. You now have the condition joined at the hip. Away to Coach and Marion. You two are back down in the storeroom still. Uh, what's your angle? Uh, typically uh, standing above and looking down. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one to have. <sighs> Coach, do you think that we should go and see what it is that is making those those sounds? No, I think it's a better idea to uh, take advantage of the fact that uh, Bartleby uh, left us alone and go try and and break into Mr. Kestrel's uh, classroom. Well, that seems reasonable. So the two of you uh, leave the storeroom and head uh, up the stairs towards the gymnasium the way that Bartleby left, obviously sometime after he left. And, Coach, you don't know exactly where his classroom is, uh, but uh, all of the doors are marked with the teacher's names on them. And the main thing in your way is that there is a metal, uh, you know, expandable blockade that is put in place in the hallways this time of night. uh, And in between the hallway where the gymnasium leads uh, into the main school, there is one of these that is in your way. I have a ridiculous idea. Yeah, let me hear it. You know how I have the cupboard of carrot and quote unquote cupboard. Yeah. Oh my. Of uh, of jams and jellies and such. Yeah. And some of them are more poisonous than others. Yeah. Could one of them be extremely acidic? You gonna try to to cut cut away through some of this? I was thinking like there's probably like a, a latch or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I like melt the latch or try to melt the latch? Um, sure. I would. I'll. I'll allow that. You've got. You've got some potent stuff in your bag. Apparently, what is this game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you tap that, and this is a night move. Um, this is something risky. You're trying to burn your way through this. Uh, what are you most worried about? I am most worried uh, that that Bartleby will come back and will be caught. Okay. Uh. I will say it's worse than you fear uh, because you will not make it through, obviously, and you will be caught, but it won't be by Bartleby. 
Oh boy. Uh, you were rolling with advantage. Uh, you were rolling for composure. Cool. Then that is a uh, 11. Okay, well, that's very good. That's a 10 plus. That means that you don't deal with whatever the negative effect could have been. Hell yeah. A negative situation. So yeah, uh, you pour out uh, some of your marmalade that you keep in a, uh, a glass vial that is particularly corrosive, we should say. Uh, and you pour it over the lock on this. And it's a fairly thin lock. It's just, again, this is just designed to be an obstacle that would prevent someone from wanting to do this. Not so much designed to truly keep out someone who is intent on getting through it. I found this recipe for a a meat tenderizing marmalade and I, well, I knocked it up a a few degrees. Uh, How did you discover that it was useful on these sorts of things? Well, it was a mistake to begin with. I put it on some chicken in a in a pan, in a metal pan. And uh, when I opened it a couple of hours later, well, the pan had dissolved. The chicken was baked to perfection. <laughs> I wouldn't eat that chicken. Uh, I like that. So, uh, yeah, you melt away the lock um, or make it sufficiently brittle that you can break it. And the two of you make it past that obstacle. The lights, which had been every other one or so on, do finally go off as we are late enough that everyone is supposed to be out of the building now. And you make your way in uh, mostly darkness. I I think there's no reason why either of you, given your tendency to investigate these sorts of things, wouldn't have a small flashlight or something in your purse or Mm -hmm. in your bag. Um, So you use your lights to guide you through the building. You check the names on each of the doors as you pass making some 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 idle chatter as you search uh is there anything uh, yeah let's up the coziness just just a meter here is there anything the two of you chat about as you go through the task of searching these door plates trying to find the right one that marmalade also works very very well to relax yarn if it's particularly uh particularly harsh on the skin makes it much softer I'm not entirely sure that I would trust uh, fabric dipped in that marmalade but I guess thanks for the offer well you wash it first of course you should always wash anything that you that you knit you need to wash it on a, a delicate cycle before you hand it over to whoever you're gifting it to that, that scarf that I gave you last year around winter, that, that was using the marmalade. Am I adding another thing to my co- cozy little place? Uh, sure. <laughs> you can add a scarf. Winter scarf. Winter scarf. Soft winter scarf. Soft winter scarf. Uh, so the two of you make your way through the hall, uh, inspecting doors, and you finally do run across one uh, that is marked Mr. Kestrel. It is, you know, solid, you know, oak door. It's got a metal door frame that it locks into with some kind of deadbolt. And above, yeah, I'll, I'll say that there is a, a window that is cracked slightly. It's one of those thin ones that can be opened and closed for, for better airflow in the room. But otherwise, it's a you know door that says Mr. Kestrel. There's like a few cards that students have written him over the years that are tacked on the door. How high is the window? Is it on the door or is it above? The- it's above the door. How narrow is the window? It is uh, roughly a foot and a half tall and as wide as the door. So, you know, four feet wide or so. And it doesn't raise up and down. It cracks in or out when it opens. And it is currently cracked. I could fit a cat through there. Now, generally, with school doors like these, if I remember correctly, they lock from the outside, but if you're inside, you can turn the knob to get out the safety feature and it's more of a handle like it's a handle not a knob right Mm -hmm. so goji would you be a deer and turn this this handle from the other side uh so you feed your cat up through the window Mm -hmm. uh this sounds like a night move uh i'd like you to roll with 
Let's do composure, actually. Right. This, this feels like a composure roll to me. It, it takes some, like, finesse. Yeah, and, some... and this is, like, sort of holding your nerves steady and... Not dropping the cat. Yeah, letting your cat into this room that it will then not really have a way back from. If this doesn't work, yep. yeah. All right. Uh, what are you worried about most? Uh, I am worried that I am wrong and that the door will not uh, will not open from that side. I think uh, what's, what is worse about it is that you will be here long enough then that you will also be discovered. I don't think we have to worry about that. Yeah? Yeah. That is 12 oh plus boy. 2. That's a 14. That's 14. Y'all are rolling so good, everybody. <laughs> Which feels like it's making the game rigged to a certain degree, but at the same time, as a one-shot, mm, snaps to that. <laughs> <laughs> snaps to progress. I feel like we're just, we're doing things that we're good at, and we're doing that in intelligent ways. Yeah. So. Yeah. You let Goji through, and as Goji, you, you see him hop gently down from the height he's at, you immediately hear the door click uh, as Goji hops down uh, and catches the lever on his way down uh, and the door cracks open slightly. Who's a good, good boy? I want to give him a treat. Excellent. Uh, you give him a treat. As, as soon as you pull the tree out, like that is now all that Goji cares about. Squid jerky. Yeah, good. Good stuff. Uh, you, sp- you feed him a bit of squid jerky. Uh, he's quiet, but <laughs> you, you do put him in his mouth quickly so he stops making noise. Uh, and then the two of you head inside. Uh, as you do that, Diana, I think you and Bartleby are rounding a corner and you see them heading into that room before Bartleby does. What do you do? Diana has seen Marion and Coach going into a classroom and to pull back Bartleby's attention from down the hallway, she turns around and gasps. Oh, dear me. Did I make all of that mess down the hallway? There's just puddles and puddles and puddles galore. I'm so, so sorry, Bartleby. But it looks like we'll have to clean in this mess up. Oh, oh, dear. I hadn't even noticed just how... How sopping wet your shoes were. You you are indeed tracking water and mud all, all through the school. Uh, Diana, w- would you be a dear and, and help me with uh, with some of this? I've got all the equipment uh, here in the closet around the corner, if you'll just come with me. Uh, and the two of you uh, double back to a nearby closet uh, and extract a mop uh, and, and a, a, uh, probably just a mop in a bucket. Is there any type of, like, school flyer or promotional material for Homecoming coming up that we are now exposed to? If you you would like to be inspecting the school as you walk through with Bartleby, please give me a metal roll. Uh, And that will be with your reason modifier. Which makes that a 10. Oh my gosh. You guys are just crushing this. That's a 10 plus. So you don't get a void clue. That'd be 12 plus. But you do succeed uh, with no complications. That makes it a 13. (laughs) That's not how that works. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. My favorite Geico commercial. Uh, So uh, when you're walking through the school, you notice that there are a few posters uh, talking about the upcoming homecoming, you know, rivalry and, and like advertising for the game and advertising for the dance that's to come. Because, uh, of course, there's a homecoming dance. But something else that you notice is that in one of the display cases uh, that they have in the hallway for trophies and other, like, school accoutrement and all that jazz, most of it is, like, fairly dusty, uh, like it's it's seen better days. However, uh, there is one display case that you pass that... There are a few things in it that are are surprisingly clean, uh, as if they've been recently handled. And you see, you see in one of the trophy cases, it is like the trophy for the homecoming polo game victories. It's like the trophy case for that. And like there are some that are like you know thirty years ago, but for the last ten years, South has won every time. 
And you connect that, that that has been as long as the mascot has been Rob Kestrel, the Firebird. Is this a traveling trophy then that has like the annual placard updates? Yes, it's exactly like that. They're like the, the traveling trophy is in the case and there's a placard behind it that has the years and like the the uh, the team captain's name or whatever uh, for each year. Uh, and the last 10 slots are all south. I actually imagine that like in that trophy case, there are pictures of the trophy being held aloft by the Firebird, the coach, and the team captain of the polo team. And those pictures just fill that one. And all the other ones look dusty, and that one looks pristine. That is the only cleaned case out of all of the different trophy cases and other so cases. everything in, in that case is clean? Yeah. Okay. Pristine. I, I kept looking for a specific thing to be clean. It has been well-maintained. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You are with the custodian. If anybody were to be doing the cleaning, it would be him. Does Diana ask about it? Diana is examining the display case for which the championship polo trophies and season accolades are kept, while Bartleby is fumbling around in the janitor's closet to pull out all the cleaning equipment. She calls him over to ask him about the particular cleanliness of this specific trophy case compared to all the other dusty trophy cases. Uh, well, actually, all of the cases along some of the hallways are supposed to be managed by the teachers who who possess keys to them. They're the ones who moderate the content of the cases. And he gestures to uh, a case across from uh, you in the hall uh, that has, like, different student artwork and other things hung up in it. For instance... Uh, several of our art teachers have cases which display some of the students' artwork and they curate it throughout the year. Uh, this case in question, uh, he, he rifles through some of his keys, uh, and he says, I have a, a copy of the key right here, uh, but the case is actually managed by, and he, he, like, basically looks for the adjoining classrooms, uh, and he says, uh, is uh, managed by the social studies department. So I suppose at this point, uh, it'll be managed by, by Rob. He's the head of the department now. Well, very much like my favorite Canadian soup, the plot thickens. Our hallway pond could wait. Might we go look at some of the security footage to see if it is Rob? That is in fact keeping this clean? Or might we have something else being hidden here? Uh, well, I I don't exactly have uh, uh, access to security footage. I, I just, well, I generally clean up the messes around here. Uh, if you wanted to access some of the security footage, you'd probably be better off uh, talking to the, the principal or uh, the police. Oh, yes, yes, I didn't mean to assume things. You did say, however, that only the department chair could access it, or could the rest of the department as well? I imagine that they just keep the keys in the the staff room, so I, I would expect that anyone from the department probably could. Well, I do think that we can agree that some level of preservation of this is important in the continuation of this investigation. And so, perhaps, as the old bird saying goes, we could kill two birds with one stone, although we are doing our best to keep the murder out of this. Uh, Anyhow, um, (laughs) perhaps we could go over to Miss... Ramon? Raymond? Raymond. Go over to Miss Raymond's classroom and um, take a gander at what might be in there because I do believe Principal Purvis had told me there was some beef? Is that the new lingo these days? Some beef brewing between the two and at the same time grab some scotch tape for any 
fingerprints left here on the glass casing. Well, you, you really shouldn't. You, you really oughtn't to uh, 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 brew beef. It's not a very effective way of cooking it, but... Well, these millennials or Gen Z or the last of us, whoever they might be, <laughs> really do have some unexplainable sense of language. I feel you. Uh, not literally, although I certainly could. Uh, <laughs> yes. Gracious. <laughs> it's gotten weird. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he'll take you over to uh, Ramon's class. Uh, uh, Mr. Raymond. Or sure, yeah. <laughs> now I've screwed me up. Uh, he, he will take you over to uh, Miss Bell Raymond's class. Uh, and let you both in uh, to look for some tape and also maybe look for some clues. So, for Miss Raymond's class, Diana, what artifacts does Ms. Raymond have on display that showcase her pending PhD in classical antiquity? She definitely has an assortment of globally relevant statues. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is probably the statue of David. These are just like little replicas, I assume. Or no, 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 the real thing. <laughs> There's a series of statues from small to large, with the largest in the middle being the grand statue that's mm-hmm. three or four feet tall. Maybe not life size, mm-hmm. but a statement piece for the room. What is that one of? Please tell us the showstopper. Thoughts? I, I sort of like the idea that it's reminiscent of the Venus de Milo uh, in that it's got, like, it's missing the arms. I was going to say, except this time she has arms. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, I mean, Venus de Milo with arms would be kind of cool. Or just the Venus de Milo. Huh? True. I'm going to also say... Yeah. In the classroom, there is an assortment of significant animals to various cultures. That's cool. Ooh, like stuffed or like actual animals? Some of them could be stuffed, um, but there is some type of poster or recognition, um, scale model, whatever it be. So um, maybe it's an Egyptian sphinx, mm-hmm. maybe... Little it, figurine type yeah. things as well. Yeah, whatever it be, but the animals that played a role in culture development. And they're alive? No, only in our hearts. Okay. Uh, So you enter this room with animals and statues abounding. Uh, I'm imagining there are desks here in the middle. Uh, Her teacher's desk is towards the end of the room. There are windows all to one side that face out into the courtyard of the school. It is, of course, dark outside and still raining. You hear the rain pittering and pattering against the windowsill. And let's get addering. And, it, and let's get addering. Uh, so what are you interested in looking at in here? How are you investigating this area? So Diana's first thought is to obtain the scotch tape off of her desk. So mm-hmm. she makes um, a clear speed walking line to... Miss Raymond's desk. The main objective here is to make this convincingly the subtle side mission to investigate. And so while there may be tape directly on the desk, mm-hmm. if that be the case, Diana subtly shifts some papers on top of the tape and continues with the checking of each drawer while looking intently at the desk not necessarily examining all the contents in each drawer, but glancing with fleeting eyes for a small clue that may emerge without making it directly evident that poor Bartleby is being played. Okay. So uh, I think I'm going to ask that you roll your medal. Um, However... You'll be conducting this at disadvantage due to your joined at the hip with Bartleby condition. And I think this sounds to me like a composure role. Like normally if you were just searching this space on your own, 
Uh, I would say that it's probably reason as you're sort of analyzing documents and looking through things. This is more... You're trying if, not if, to get caught. Yeah, if you find something, that would be great. But mostly you're like trying to maintain a particular farce. Rolling at disadvantage affects me in what way? You roll three dice and you take the lower two. Hmm. But trying to do this subtly is tying your hands a little bit. So that would have been a 12, and it turns into a 7. Ouch. Didn't you have a 7 earlier that turned into a 12? Yes. Well, now we're going the reverse. So, uh, with a 7, that is a 7 to 9, so you do successfully find a clue, so I'll get to give that to you, but there will be a complication with it. So as you're, we'll talk about the clue first. You route through her desk and general belongings in that area in search of some tape that you have cleverly hidden under some papers. Uh, And one of the things you find are a series of newspaper clippings that have been extracted from both local and school newspapers that cite and highlight the different accomplishments of the sports teams and other like even the academic team and other things at the school, specifically in instances where the Firebird was present and there for the team. And all of these newspaper clippings are showcasing, like they have in the picture, uh, the Firebird, you know, front and center with the team and their victory. And all of them are times where the school won. And in all of those instances, the Firebird was there. Okay. It also raises some considerations for me. Has Rob always been the Firebird? Or has there ever been a sick day or a you know vacation day or whatever that he was away? If Rob wasn't available, then no one was the Firebird. That's, that's a, a role that he took on and sort of created for himself. I think the complication from this. Well, actually, let's hold out. Uh, so, so let's let's hold out on deciding the complication until we've analyzed the other scene, and there might be something that ties in between the two of them, since you guys are so close right now. So, like, you find those newspaper clippings uh, while you're rooting through the desk and things. Let's go over to the other room and see what happens there. Okay. I like where you're going with that. So, over in uh, Mr. Kestrel's room. Mm-hmm. The paint the scene question for this is uh, what items in the classroom suggest that Mr. Kestrel lived more at school than at home? In one of the drawers of his desk, there is uh, a bunch of spare suit shirts and ties. Anything you want to add, Pat? I think that he has a couch in like the back of his room mm-hmm. that oh, he's folds, one of the cool teachers that has the couch that folds out into a futon mm, I like that so we've got some spare clothes specifically like some some working clothes mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, a futon to sleep on in the room maybe also a bottle of uh, of aftershave in mm, there yeah I was thinking maybe a toothbrush somewhere yeah toothbrush. Uh, maybe even like out on the desk in like a, a, a cup that otherwise has pencils yeah you're in Kestrel's class. It's in structure very similar to the class across the hall, uh, only the windows are at the back of the class and they face the exterior of the building as opposed to the interior courtyard. Could I add something in there in regards to some type of shrine? Of, like, thank you letters or, like, appreciations or, like, you're so great, mm-hmm. go Firebird, like, things that have been written to Firebird have their own, like, dedicated place on the wall. I like that. I like that, too. Maybe yeah. even, a like, a blown-up professional picture that was taken at some point mm-hmm. yeah. of him in the Firebird costume. Yeah, because this is a big deal, and so it's also relevant to his room. They're not just taking We're classes. We're pre-theorizing, in case you're wondering. Okay. They're not just taking a class from Rob. They're taking a class from Firebird. Yeah, I like that. You have uh, Mr. Kestrel's class before you. You can, I think, probably hear uh, Diana is intentionally talking a little bit louder to Bartleby across the hall in order to make you guys aware that they're there. Oh my, did I knock that over? My my apologies there. Oh, snap, I did it again. 
Oh, Diane, now you said it. A butterfinger. Well, it's nice to know she got out of the rain. <laughs> uh, and you have, the, of course, the window cracked on this door so you can hear them more clearly. So you know that your your time is a little bit limited if you want to, to do this and get out without being noticed. I am rifling through his drawers. So you're going through the drawers of the table, uh, like his desk. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're not just rifling through the pockets of his drawers quite literally as he has clothes that are here. Or are you doing that? You could do that. Both? You're rifling through things. Uh, how about you, Marion? I want to look over the um, the letters and the, the different things that have been sent to the Firebird and see if any of them are in any way standing out different. Yeah. If the wording is weird, mm-hmm. if, if there's any signs of somebody like making something out to be a uh, a message of goodwill when really it's like a threat under that or if somebody has maybe tacked something up here other than him that is a warning of some sort. Can I get a clarification on something? Yeah. Rob is the only firebird that has ever been, right? There was no mascot before him. That right? is correct. Okay. Like, like the I think the firebird was the mascot of the school, but there wasn't like... But there wasn't like there a wasn't physical a embodiment yeah. of one yes, until that's Rob. That's correct. Okay. Uh, so, I think for both of you, this sounds like a reason roll to me. Sort of different ones. But uh, I would like you, uh, for your medal, to both roll reason. And do. Pray for me. Hey, that's not too bad pretty good you know seven is the most commonly rolled number on two die six yeah how'd you do i got an 11 11 let's talk about this together we're uh, seven eleven let's talk about this 11 first uh so you look you are observing the uh sort of as uh dempsey put it shrine of like you know thank you and you're cool and like have my babies. Yeah, all, all of the, the sort of fan stuff to the Firebird and also, like, I imagine there's some here and there that are for Rob uh, mm-hmm. as a person. Uh, but a lot of them are like, oh, Firebird, you're so cool. And, like, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, in the middle of it, there's, as you described, a, a blown-up picture of the Firebird, uh, of specifically Rob in the costume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and around it are different cards and notes uh, and little, like, scrawled things on pieces of bits of notebook paper that have been stapled up uh, around it. And I think among them, you find one that that doesn't feel quite like the others. It is written in fairly tight, neat handwriting. And like, oftentimes, if something is written hastily, you can tell with the penmanship, right? Uh, But this was not hasty, this was deliberate. And it simply reads, the days of the Firebird are numbered. And unlike several of the notes which have a a name or something associated with them, this one is just that, that line. And it appears to have been stapled, like, it's it's part of the collage, but it's just in there among them. I I imagine its placement is even a little bit off-kilter relative to some of the others. Gotcha. Like, maybe he wasn't the one to put it up there. Yeah. Can I get another clarification? Sure. Do, do we know for a fact that the fired bird costume was definitely stored in the storage closet? Uh, that is, I mean, there was evidence that it had regularly been hung there. Now, whether it, now whether it had been directly before. Well, I just want a clarification yeah. that that's definitely where it was usually stored. Yes, uh, there was there was feathers on the ground. Uh, there was dye from the feathers uh, on. Okay, the, guys, we can rule out shapeshifter then. That's a good point, though. Uh, something we should maybe look around for at all. Is there any evidence that it was kept in this room at all? Oh, I mean, I think as you rifle through the desk coach, uh, you run across a couple of feathers here and there. Okay. Uh, that Clearly, the, the, the costume has been stored within the drawer of this at some point. But also, as you dig through that, uh, dig through the drawers... Coach, you find a syringe. 
there are are several uh, uh, needles and other things in the desk. There's there's a like big big fat syringe, and uh, it has been thoroughly cleaned. You can't tell what may or may not have been in it at some point, but that's that's the clue that you find. So you say may or may not have been in it. So we are unclear as to whether or not it's been used previously. Yes. I don't know about anybody else, but up until very recently, I forgot that there's definitely a supernatural aspect to this game. And I've just only been going with logical explanations for stuff. I, uh, I've, I've had my eye on that uh, firebird symbol drawn in the ashes at the bottom of the box. I've been thinking about that a lot and what that might mean. So, so you find that, uh, and the complication here that I'm going to to bring in is in both rooms. You hear a banging sound down the hall. There is someone else in this building with you. <laughs> it's me, David, your keeper. I've been making the noise all along. I, <laughs> I guess I did technically add the sound effect. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening to our third episode of Brindlewood Bay. I hope you're having a good time with it. I've just got a couple of mentions here in the mid-break, and then I'll let you get right back to the episode. To start off, I have your next binge listen, an excellent Monster of the Week AP podcast called Monster Hour. It's a narrative-driven show set in the fictional town of Firmament, Colorado, and it it's really great fun. The first episode had me wrapped and captivated one minute, and then genuinely laughing out loud five minutes later. The characters they've imagined are wonderful and real, and you should go and check them out right after this. I'll have their promo at the end of this episode to give you a little taste of what they do. And if you're interested in following them, Shrimp and Crits, who we mentioned a few weeks ago, or, drumroll please, us on Discord, you can find a link in the description to the Cast Junkie Discord server, where, along with lots of other great shows, uh, we've all taken up residence. You can now find us there, or on Facebook, or on Twitter, at Tota Podcast, where we just recently surpassed 1,000 subscribers, which, by the way, is just incredible. Um, <laughs> I welcome you so much to join us there, uh, or as I mentioned on Discord, at the Cast Junkie Discord server. Especially if you have any theories about how our mystery here will be solved, this is our final episode of Investigation, so give me all of your guesses. I can't wait to hear them. And be sure to join us on August 25th as our mavens theorize and point to a solution. I'll talk to you more then. Bye for now. Well, I'll address the elephant in the room if no one else will. We're not alone here. That, uh, that does seem to be the case. Uh, what do you think we should do about that? What we always do, investigate. I think we're leaving the room to go investigate the sound. Okay. Across the hall, Diana. As soon as this, you hear this banging down the hall, Bartleby uh, grumbles and turns around and says, it must be those hoodlums again. The school will have to go run them off. <laughs> I've found the scotch tape. Finally. Let's, um, you go investigate and I'll get me a fingerprint or two. Well, all right. It does seem like the sound is coming down from that way. Uh, maybe we could go together. I'll remind you that you are joined at the hip with Bartleby right now. The phrase goes, it takes two to tango. <laughs> and so, uh, practically simultaneously, both groups in the rooms across from each other open the door to see the other group <laughs> across from them. <laughs> uh, hey now, uh, Coach Marion, I'm pretty sure I told you to get out of this place. What are you doing in here this late? A Bartleby, for as long as we've known each other, 
Uh, when have you ever known me to follow the rules? Uh, and <laughs> Bartleby considers that for a minute. I would like you to... I think you're rolling presence here. Specifically, this is a night move. Um, you're rolling presence. What are you worried about? I think she's worried most about getting the authorities called on her to forcefully remove her from the premises. That's pretty risky. Um, I think uh, what makes it worse? So I think that they might not make it here in time. I'm sorry, how does that make it worse? Well, it's not... It's not the authorities you should be worried about, is yes. what he's saying. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Bartleby got moves? Like Jagger. Uh, Maybe it's the hoodlums down the hall. Fair enough. Hi, that's a six. Hey, that's a six. This is exciting. So. I think it might be time for you to use another crown. Definitely the second crown. Yeah, I do think I do think you're going to be inclined to spend a crown here in a second. So you hear more crashing down the hall, and then one of the doors to a classroom flies open, and you've never quite seen anything like this before. There's that supernatural. Uh, before you is a creature of feather and bone. And it's all talons and beak. It's it's wet but not damp. Its feathers are matted. And it doesn't so much have wings as it does uh, an ample number of appendages, I will say all with a few more joints than you're particularly comfortable with. Oh. I'm not particularly comfortable with any of it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this this creature uh, advances down the hall towards you. And the encounter with it is brief and unpleasant. That is the future that awaits you. I don't know how any of these crowns help in this situation. They don't have to help. Uh, it's just like basically you, the the sacrifice you as the player make is that you have to now include a little scene like this at some point in the session. And it can be like at the very end. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Basically tie them in where you can, but before the session's over, you have to include them. It, it's also worth knowing that like, no part of this alternate future might be real. This could just be like, this is how one way this could play out unless something changes. But like, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to make any assumptions that like, this is what's going on because like, no, this is just one way it could go. We're just exploring one way it could be. But if you want to take on a crown that is thematic, I love that. I always love that. So if there's a, a scene of some kind or a flashback that might help you better convince Bartleby in this situation uh, or to just reflect your own rebellious nature. Um, I feel like that would flow really nicely if you want to pick something thematic. That helps. I think uh, Coach recalls a time where it was important like qualifying fight for one of her trainees and uh, the referee had clearly been making bad calls against her fighter and instead of reporting the referee just told her fighter to essentially fight harder and maybe throw in a few illegal strikes as well basically if you're gonna get carded yeah go ahead and make the most of it basically if you're gonna get carded get carded yeah so, so you have this this flashback, and with a with a steel grin and disposition, you tell uh, Bartleby that you you don't listen to anyone, <laughs> and he considers that and considers you, and says, "Well, while I 
I believe I disagree with that uh, general approach to things. I, I think that your, your general disposition may be helpful in routing these hoodlums at the very least. Uh, would you, and he looks at both you and uh, Marion. Would the two of you please accompany us uh, to take care of whoever's made their way into our school and then uh, please leave the grounds yourself? Because you, you elevate your roll from a, a miss to a hit, uh, but it is still a hit with a cost. I think that cost here is the complication is that you will officially lose access to this building this evening. Oh, well, Bartlesby, aren't they just doing the same thing that we are doing right now? Well, I I don't know what you're talking about, Diana. I don't see either of them carrying around a, a whip or a collar. A what now? <laughs> we always said things were better in groups. <laughs> well, Diana, you know, you're right about a great many things, and I think you are again here tonight. I didn't find any uh, any whiskey or anything else in his room, but I did look for us. Well, uh, perhaps he was one of the few teachers who does not take to the bottle every now and again. Perhaps. I realize that now, now that that might be a rude thing to say about teachers on this podcast. <laughs> well, it might be. <laughs> We are not implying that all teachers drink. I am merely implying that at this particular fictional school and this particular fictional town, that there are a mighty many who do uh, tip the bottle back a few times a day. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that they're alcoholics. Sometimes you just need stress relief. For a job that asks too much and pays too little. Anyway, should we go and find these hoodlums? Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, and the four of you. <laughs> what? We've had a lot of fun here tonight. <laughs> Did I miss something? Uh, only me harping on how much I work and how little I'm paid. <laughs> Just that whole little bit we just did where we realized, like, we probably shouldn't imply that all teachers are alcoholics. <laughs> and we, in character, have a conversation <laughs> about how hard teaching is and how, just, what a thankless job it, it is. It smoothed it over so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you advance down the hallway and make your way. It, it's pretty much back the way you came that the noise appears to be coming from. Uh, and... God, I really hope it's not that bird thing again. <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll I'll tell you up front, it's not that. You know, you feel the fear in your heart for a moment, but it's it's not because you've avoided that fate. You've spent a crown to do so. Uh, that's not what's going on here right now. So you you advance down the way you came, uh, following the hallway uh, back down the stairs to the locker room, uh, you can hear that you're getting closer and closer to this banging sound. And as you you round the corner in the locker room towards the door that you'd originally come in through, Coach and uh, Marion, mm-hmm. uh, you can see that that door is what is causing the sound. It is the So the, the wind and the rain outside, uh, it is flexing out and then, and then slamming shut again. Uh, and that is what is making this banging noise. Most curious about this, especially to you, Diana, is that you know for a fact that door was locked earlier. But apart from that door now being unlocked and uh, swinging open and closed, nothing else here seems to be terribly awry. No? Uh, No footprints or anything else? uh, You're welcome to take a look around the scene. I would love to take a look around the scene. Yeah. Reason? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Meddling? Yes. You know, seven is the most commonly uh, rolled number. I actually got a six, and I have a plus one in reason, so. <laughs> so, yeah, you get a seven, which is a mixed success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, a hit with complications. Yeah, uh, so as you're searching the scene for any trace of who might have been here, what you find, like, earlier you didn't look through this room, right? You just walked through it and, and followed Coach to the storage room in the mm-hmm. school. 
In searching the locker room, you find in one of the, the corners of the locker room, sort of like in between two of the big rows of lockers, there is a suitcase uh, which is packed, like like packed ready to go. And in going through the contents of the suitcase, uh, you find several garments and clothes similar to what you found in the room for, for Mr. Kestrel. So we think it's probably Rob Kestrel's suitcase. It would be a easy supposition to make. Interesting. The complication or or cost here, Marianne. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what makes this not all you were hoping it would be? It's an in. I mean, it's an interesting clue for for what was going on with Rob, but it doesn't tell us at all why the store was open or who opened it. It's true. Yeah, it doesn't answer any of the questions you had, but it is an interesting detail. Yeah. That builds out your picture. All right, we'll, we'll settle with that. Otherwise, uh, Bartleby brings you to the door, waves an arm, gesturing for, for you to vamoose through it, uh, and set... Uh, what's that, Dunsey? I have two things I need to do before we leave. Yeah. Here. Um, Bathroom's over there. Make out with Bartleby. And you need to... <laughs> we certainly do. My favorite part was how David licked his lips after he said that. So, as they're heading towards the banging, flattering sound, mm-hmm. Diana stops and applies a quick piece of scotch tape lifting at least a partial print off of the case. You can do that pretty quickly. Cut that, then take us to us leaving... Prior to leaving, as we're being asked to leave, Diana also applies scotch tape to that door handle in hopes of lifting a partial print from that door as well. Mm, trying to find a match here. Uh, I would Smart. like you. I would like you to roll uh, investigate a mystery for reason. That would be a nine. A nine. Excellent. Uh, so, I think you. You successfully lift prints uh, from both surfaces. However, you get a very clean one on the case uh, because that's not an often touched thing. But, like, lots of people have touched this door handle today, going in and out of it. Um, and so I think you, you lift off, like, a spattering of prints from the door handle, um, and that's the complication. You... Like, you may be able to, with some, some time spent, might be able to match that one to one of these, but it's not going to necessarily inform you quite as much. So the clue that she got was the... Yeah, the, the clue that you got is uh, there is a match among these between the two. Okay. So somebody who has touched this backdoor handle has also touched that that case, but... You don't. You cannot tell how recent it was. There's too many other factors. Does she get to add scotch tape to her cozy little place? Yeah, add scotch tape. Bartleby uh, watches each of you as you leave, making sure you actually get out of the building this time. I think, Diana, you're the last one to file out, and he makes the universal symbol for call me uh, with his hand uh, as you leave, Diana. I think he also, like, mimes an action of, like, a dog barking. Oh, my God. Uh, as, as you leave and gives you a little wink. And then uh, the door clicks shut behind you and you hear it lock. And the three of you take the slow walk back up the drive to where your motorcycle is double parked uh, in order to return to your various homes for the evening. My, my, it seems that uh, between the firebird and the rain things got pretty steamy between you and that custodian one might say that passions are ablaze I'll tell you what the only thing that's on fire are my knees right now (laughs) flamio hotman flamio (laughs) no (laughs) what Diana can't be an avatar fan she can be I think we should all have a fire under our butts to figure out what happened to Rob. 
We might, but I need to figure out how to put those embers out that I just accidentally reignited. Would you say that uh, something might be kindling between the two of you again? One might put it out of the frying pan and into the fire. There are worse things to do than to connect with an old flame. When we get to a place where I can show you some skin, I'll show you the third-degree burns I have from that quote-unquote old friend. <laughs> Marion gets concerned. He burned you? I wouldn't quite say it was a burn, but in just the same way that you get too much sun, your skin changes. You spend too much time with that man, you change too! <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you, but the only thing that I'm looking forward to heating up is this motorcycle. Let's get out of here. And perhaps a nice TV dinner. <laughs> uh, and you you mount up in the bike, uh, returning to your previous spot. Coach, you're driving, of course. Marion, you're riding behind. And Diana, you're in the sidecar. Coach, you kick it once, twice, three times it spurts to life. And you put off... Uh, and you you go back uh, home, dropping off uh, Marion and Diana along the way. Just briefly, uh, how do each of you spend your nights? Uh, and then we will move on to the next day. I'm going to uh, get inside, make myself a frozen dinner, feed Goji some some good wet food because he deserves it, and settle in with one of the gold crown mysteries books to get some inspiration excellent so diana arrives home and realizes that she's been very right-handed on her grip strengthening drills all day and begins to balance them with the left hand upon also remembering and exclaiming out loud that she's forgotten to feed her dog Samantha Michelle Francis Lee Cunningham Dempsey the 22nd! How could I have forgotten to feed you this morning? She proceeds to feed her poor, very hungry Maltese poodle. Afterwards, begins drafting a letter to the city council and the school board in regards to the importance and historical significance of the Firebird to the great town of Brindlewood Bay. How about you, Coach? What's the evening? I think Coach lets off some steam from all of the factors that have come into play in this case and just beats away at a punching bag until uh, her knuckles start to kind of get stiff and then goes to bed. Wears herself out? Yeah. So the rain continues through the night but it does clear up the next day. Uh, You have just a few soft, puffy clouds left uh, by the time dawn arrives the next morning. Coach, Diana, Marion, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for uh, a a bit of cozy time where we can invoke the cozy move. Uh, One of you can invite the others to join you in participating in your cozy activity, uh, and you can all gain... Some, some benefits from that, and then also whoever's activity it is gets to stumble upon a clue relevant to the mystery. And then, if you guys feel like it flows naturally from that, uh, I think we've assembled a lot of clues. It might be time to theorize. What do you think? Especially if you gain one more clue from this cozy move. Would anyone prefer it to be at their place? Because I can think of a starter for mine. I was actually thinking yours might be the most interesting. Mine is knitting. I feel like neither of you are particularly the kind of gals that are really into knitting. Coach don't knit. Yeah. What does Coach do again? Kickboxing. This is right. Launch. And phalange aerobics. Perfect. I feel like if there is a middle ground that we can all come to, it is phalange aerobics. (laughs) I need that knitted on a pillow. There's a middle ground <laughs> we can all come to. Because, like, I don't want to develop arthritis either. I need I need my hands deft for, for knitting purposes. Coach isn't going to sit and knit, but she probably would 
do some lighter lighter exercise than she has, especially if her knuckles were stiff from the night before. And it's Diana's thing, so. Here we go. Okay. Uh, so, so Diana, uh, I, I, Dempsey, I ask you to please set the scene for us uh, as, like, do, do you invite them over? Do you do this at your house? Do you take them to the park? Uh, what's the, how's this, how does this go? So well, what I'll say is it's the next day. It's pretty early in the morning. I think the sun has only been up for a little while. I, I imagine that all of you are fairly early risers. I think that makes sense for the kind of people you are. So that being the case, uh, I think the sun has only been up for an hour, maybe, before you decide to call up your fellow mavens uh, and discuss a little bit of a get-together. Uh, what do you propose to them? Do we have a, a name for each other, like gals? Mavens. Ma- like, do I just say like fellow mavens? Or I've do thrown I- around gals and numbskulls. <laughs> Ladies. Okay. Ladies. The next morning, Diana awakes a few hours before the sun has risen. Still incredibly engrossed and moving on to a new mascot or abandoning just the firebird altogether has left her completely restless. She waits until the sun is high enough in the sky that she believes she can call her fellow mavens and get a civil response from them instead of a bewildered one. Diana dials up a group phone call to Marion and Coach. Fellow mavens, are you awake? Oh, yes. Coach? I've been up for two hours now. Oh, there you are. Well, you see, I have been very restless on the whole concept of everything we learned yesterday. (laughs) And before I can... Did you have something to say? (laughs) I know how particular you get when I cut you off. Very much like you got particular about me not cutting off any of the tree branches on that peach tree of yours. (laughs) Why is the peach tree a thing? Bringing it back. If I have to hear about that peach tree one more time. Very well. Anyway, back to where I was. I am very disturbed about the firebird being removed. And before I feel that it is my place to act on that information, we must first do justice for Rob. The one thing that's been consoling to me in recent years is bird watching, as you might already know. What do you say we meet at 9 o'clock sharp? 9.20 if that's me showing up. I'll just go ahead and plan for 8.40. Because we do know... But it is not my... T- <laughs> <laughs> Pat is breaking me right now. Oh, so we'll see you about 9.45, Diana. It's just... Uh, it's just funny. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to write notes for my theory down. <laughs> um. And Diana's just over here, like, dithering on about... I'm going to take about it. time management. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to take it from No, uh, this is staying in the podcast. <laughs> the I don't whole know what thing. you're talking about. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, I'm going to start over from because or continue on from because. Yeah. Because it's not my timeliness that's important, but rather my presence. You know what I like to say? Your presence is always a gift. Cute. I, um, should get back to business now, though. We are dealing with a very serious case of murder. So, 840 if you're me, 9 if you're you. We'll go looking for that Cape May Wobbler that I've been searching for for the last two weeks. And discuss... The facts of the case. Are we also going to do phalange aerobics? You know, your cozy activity. 
I almost forgot. See how stressed I am in these times? Principal Percy may not get away with the removal of the Firebird, but I will get the removal of her. Dear Diana, I think you're getting your your childhood confused with uh, with the current situation. Principal Purvis is the current uh, principal. I've forgotten to take my vitamins as well. <laughs> well, why don't you take your vitamins and then meet us at the park? We'll see you at 9.45, dearie. <laughs> you know what? Let's just make it an even 10. <laughs> Let's just make it an even 10. If we're going to make jokes, then you might as well include the time zone too. Otherwise, jokes will be on you and I'll still be there late. <laughs> well, you know what Coach likes to say. If you're going to get carded anyway, might as well make it worth it. You're damn right. <laughs> Excuse me, Patrick. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> Click. Alrighty, Samantha Michelle Francis Lee Cunningham and Dimsy the 22nd. Mommy's got to go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour, an actual play podcast about going to school, arguing with your parents, and ruining your favorite outfit while hunting horrible monsters. Narrative-driven and crisply edited with painfully relatable characters, Monster Hour follows unlikely heroes JR, Super suspicious. That's sort of my deal. Constance. I may be a bit of a know-it-all, but I might actually know it all. And Alvin. I'm monstrous. As they unravel the sinister mysteries of a strange Colorado town. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, Buffy, or the Adventure Zone Amnesty, you'll love Monster Hour. Tune in for new episodes every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.